0: You are listening to The Wellness Project. I'm your host, Des, and this is episode number 128. If you enjoy my podcast, I would greatly appreciate you leaving me a review on iTunes or Spotify or both. Those links are in the show notes. I would greatly appreciate it. On today's episode, I speak with Jaden Aubren. Jaden is a mental health therapist that specializes in complex trauma and personality disorders. They use holistic and integrative techniques, which we will be talking about. Jaden's goal is to make mental health and understanding your body easily accessible so that people could take ownership of their mental health. Jaden and I are going to discuss trauma, complex trauma, techniques for trauma, as well as our disconnection from our bodies and how we're actually taught that from a very young age. Jaden's also going to give you tips on how to reconnect with your body. It's going to be such a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. So help me welcome Jaden. Hi, Jaden. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hey, Desiree. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So I would love for you to get us started with introducing yourself, who you are, sharing your story, how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, uh, my name is Jaden Auburn. I use they, them pronouns, and I am a therapist and a consultant and mental health educator. Uh, My specialties are complex trauma and personality disorders. And so I work a lot with healing individual trauma, but also doing consultation within our racial equity and you know how our systems of oppressions also, um, you know, examples of trauma and like um, presentations of trauma., uh, but yeah, how did I get here? Um, I knew I always wanted to be a therapist. I had a, a brief detour where I wanted to be a music therapist and studied that for a while. But I eventually came back to talk therapy, got my bachelor's of psychology at Cleveland State University and my master's of social work at University of Kentucky. As I was like in my studies, I was really interested with borderline personality disorder based off of like, you know, some uh, family history of mental health and Like my own engagement with mental health, I just I thought that this idea of like emotional dysregulation and low sense of self, and you know all of that that is associated with borderline personality disorders, just really fascinating. And as I got more experience with that, I realized that personality disorders are really just an example, a presentation of trauma. We can see that there are usually extensive trauma histories for people with personality disorders, and how there's all this stigma that comes along with personality disorders when really, you know, people are trying their best, but they don't have the appropriate skills because they've experienced so much trauma and their bodies have been so focused on survival that they never really learned the skills to thrive in our current society. Uh, So yeah, that's kind of what got me started with a trauma in general. And then um, I ended up post-grad uh, school uh, working with, you know, really vulnerable clients. A lot of people speak um, dealing with homelessness and substance use and personality disorders, psychosis, uh, a lot of trauma all of the time. I really just fell in love with that type of work. And eventually went into private practice and opened up my own private practice uh, so I could focus more on specifically uh, clients who were experiencing anxiety and trauma. So that is how I got to where I am today.
0: Oh, great. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I have so many questions. So I actually did hear some talk that whoever they are, but they are considering kind of changing the category of borderline personality disorder to a trauma disorder. Do you know anything about that or if that's true?
1: Uh, there are many talks about changing personality disorders in many ways, and they've been talking about that for, you know, probably at least two decades now. I wouldn't really hold my breath. They're, they're uh, considering changing pers- some personality disorders to attachment disorders, trauma disorders. There's a neural developmental, like, lens as well. I think there's a few other disorders that they're considering, um, placing personality disorders in, you know, there's a there's a big controversy with personality disorders in general of just like we can't even define personality. Like if you take a psychology class and go over like how psychologists define personality, there is no consensus. So how can we say your personality is disordered when we can't even define what a personality is? Um so I know there is a lot of excitement and a forward momentum in this idea of Possibly changing this whole concept of personality disorders. Um, but I haven't heard too much about the consensus of what it would change to. In my opinion, I think it would be most helpful to change it to a, a trauma disorder um, as we learn more about complex trauma. But, you know, complex trauma is also not in the current DSM, which is what therapists and mental health professionals use to diagnose. So, We would have to get complex trauma probably into the DSM first before we could have personality disorders listed underneath it.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And for our listeners, can you define um, in your own terms how you define trauma versus complex trauma?
1: Trauma is basically anything that makes you feel unsafe, and that can be physically unsafe, emotionally unsafe, mentally unsafe. So invalidation, you know, uh, lack of support, all of these things, all that's trauma. It's kind of like you can have a physical trauma be a bruise, or it could be a broken bone, right? There's this this wide spectrum of trauma. But yeah, there's some injury done. There's there's some level of unsafety. Generally, when people are thinking about trauma in a traumatic event. They're thinking about PTSD, right, post-traumatic stress disorder, where there was a singular or maybe just a couple of traumatic events that happened, and it just really shaped your life. It, it was such a big emotional, mental, possibly physical injury that your whole nervous system Got dysregulated. Your brain starts functioning in a different way, and your life kind of shifts after this event. When you have PTSD, you kind of get treatment for those events, that event, or those events. Um, but usually, there's like you can spot, you can you can say like it was this event that caused the injury. Now, complex trauma. A uh, complex trauma is this idea that your body feels perpetually. Unsafe. It's just, it's always unsafe. So, in like PTSD formation of trauma, this might be a car accident, and your body is like, ah, I got into a car accident on this street by a Wendy's when it was cloudy, and there's someone in a, a pink hoodie walking nearby. And it takes all of those things and will associate it to that trauma. So, it says, okay, the pink hoodie could be a trigger, cloudy weather could be a trigger. That streak could be a trigger in, you know, all the other stuff your body's taking in, what it smelled like, what noises were around. uh, A lot of things we're not consciously aware of, those all become triggers. Well, when you're experiencing complex trauma, where you are frequently invalidated uh, or dismissed or uh, not feeling safe, your body is saying, oh, this is happening all the time and there's all of these triggers. You know there's been six times today where i felt really unsafe or invalidated and so in each of those six times there might have been 20 triggers right so now there's 120 triggers that day and if you expand that to years i mean you thousands and thousands and thousands of triggers so essentially your body can no longer distinguish what is safe and what is not. And so it spends all this time assuming everyone is unsafe. And so that's when we really start to see complex trauma. You can't really pinpoint it to one specific thing. Um, It is kind of a lifestyle of you have been unsafe, your nervous system thinks you're constantly unsafe, your brain has actually developed in a different way to believe that it's constantly unsafe. And it's about undoing those beliefs in treatment versus exposing yourself to like maybe this one specific event that you would have with like PTSD.
0: Ah, gotcha. That is a great explanation. I think that's going to be really helpful for people to understand the way that you broke that down is really great. So when somebody is struggling with trauma or complex trauma, they're in this constant state of feeling unsafe. How do you use holistic and integrative techniques for that?
1: So the thing about trauma is that it really lives in the body. I I like to describe it as traumatic energy. Um, So when you are traumatized, your nervous system is actually activated and it starts producing a whole bunch of energy, typically for a fight, flight or freeze response. But one of the things that really hallmarks trauma is that that energy gets stuck in the body. So another big thing about trauma, it's not necessarily the event that is traumatic, is how you move through it and how you process it. And so if you're not able to expel all of that energy um, appropriately, then it gets stuck in the body and that causes a lot of symptoms. And so a lot of my work in treating trauma is to unstick that energy safely and get it to exit the body and not just settle back down. I actually don't talk about the actual traumas that much. Uh, a lot of people they come in and say, "I want to talk about trauma I'm like well we're we're not gonna do that, and it, we actually don't need to very often. We'll talk about themes from the trauma and if I've known the client for a long, long time, we'll get into some of the details, but generally, you know I'm trying to help them move their body, like physically move their body uh to release some of this traumatic energy. One of the first things I start, I encourage a lot of my clients to do at the beginning. Or neck circles neck circles and shoulder circles being able to like actually reduce the tension in your muscles super super important so we'll talk about like physical movement like that we're also i like to use music because trauma definitely impacts the brain and music lights up the entire brain so instead of being left brain focused or right brain focused, we can light up that whole brain and it makes it a bit easier to access different parts of the brain and then we're going to be looking at things like you know sleep uh diet and poop i always i ask my clients almost every session how's your sleeping eating and pooping those are such great indicators so we really want to make sure those things are okay and then Yeah, if my clients like art, how do we use that? Uh, If my uh, clients like to build things, how do we use that? So things that they're already doing in their life, uh, being able to use that in a trauma-informed way.
0: Oh, I love that. And so some of these, would you uh, maybe recommend or are there some easy techniques that people can do at home on their own or do you recommend doing these techniques with a therapist?
1: I do think that there is a lot that you can do on your own. A lot of it is body awareness. One of my goals is to help clients build a relationship with their body. So a lot of times, you know, you have these trauma responses, there's all this anxiety or guilt or disappointment, and you want to just like, oh, no, I don't want to look at that or I don't want to deal with it. Or you just tell your body, hey, that's wrong. You're safe. Get over it. Well, that's not a very satisfying answer for the body. It's like, uh, I don't think we're safe. And you're just saying, I am because I said so. Like, (laughs) no one wants to hear that. So the body usually doesn't respond super well to that. So actually learning to build a relationship with your body. um, So mindfulness practices are really, really good for this. And specifically, if you're not with a therapist, I would really recommend something like, Dance, yoga, martial arts, boxing, mindful movement, those are great because it, it teaches you how to be in your body and present in the moment and listen to what your body needs, right? If you're dancing and your body's like, I can't move this way, and you alter what you're going to do, that is listening to your body. And, you know, taking that information and and making a decision. And that's exactly what we want to do with emotions. How can you say, oh, I'm feeling anxious. Why is my body telling me that? Is it because I'm actually unsafe? Yes, let me change what I'm doing. Or I'm, I'm not actually unsafe. I need to now tell my body that I'm not unsafe and this is why, right? But learning how to do that in something like uh like boxing or martial arts or you know other mindful movements is super super great way um to begin the trauma journey and doing some of the healing i think mindfulness can be great um uh, but if you do have a lot of traumatic energy inside of you and you're used to dissociating from that energy to just be mindful of it can be really hard so even if you're doing that on your own i would really recommend like stretching, like mindful stretching or being mindful while you shower or being mindful while you clean, something that is keeping you moving. um, So it's not so intense. But then, yeah, if you're trying to do some really intentional trauma processing, highly recommend doing that with a trained provider.
0: Okay, great. That is perfect. I love all of that. I think that mindful movement is so important. and. I think so many people overlook that the importance and power in that so that's really great with your clients with working with people that are struggling with trauma are you seeing a lot of people have that disconnection with their bodies
1: oh for sure i mean we are actually taught to be disconnected from our bodies i know if you think about we put children into school and then we say sit still don't use the bathroom. Don't be hungry. Don't be thirsty. Don't need to get up and move around. Just focus on your schoolwork and ignore every other sensation that could possibly be happening to your body if it distracts you from learning. That is what we are taught and enforced and punished if we don't do from, you know, five years old. Yeah, most people I would say are, are not super familiar with like being present in their body um and then also i think there's this idea that there are certain emotions that are bad right like it's bad to be angry or sad or anxious or jealous we teach people oh no don't feel those things that's 100 percent the wrong message feelings are your body's way of communicating with you right anxiety is your body telling you that you don't feel safe Anger is saying, hey, I feel like I've been wronged and I need to be protected. Jealousy is, hey, my needs aren't getting met, right? And so your body is trying to communicate with you. You have to listen to that communication and decide intentionally what you want to do with it. So when we say, oh, anxiety is bad, anger's bad, I'm not going to feel it. Well, that's not super helpful because your body is still going to keep making you feel that, and the more you ignore it, the louder it's going to yell at you. (laughs) And now all of a sudden you're having panic attacks and you don't know why, or you have uncontrollable rage and you don't know why, well, it's actually because you need to engage with those feelings more. And I think if we stop labeling feelings as good or bad and just information, that would be super helpful. But yeah, I don't think most people are taught that.
0: Oh, yeah. I fully agree. And I love that you brought that up, that we're actually being taught to disconnect from our bodies. That's so true. And we see that You know, in school from a young age, like you mentioned, but we see it at work too. I mean, there are jobs that are micromanage you so much that you have to ask to take a break or clock in or clock out for your break, or you're only allowed, you know, a 20 minute lunch or a 30 minute lunch. So, yeah, that's so true. I never thought about it that way that we are constantly being taught to disconnect from our bodies. So, I would imagine that process of trying to reconnect with our bodies to foster that connection again with our bodies is probably pretty difficult for a lot of people when society is telling us to disconnect from our bodies
1: it's so difficult it's so difficult because not only do you not have experience with it and so learning a new thing is difficult you might not be around others who are able to do that and we learn so much by like social learning and watching others And so if everyone around you is disconnected, it's also hard to learn how to be connected. And then you're the weird one, you know, if you're able to feel all of your feelings and people are like, what's wrong with you? So there there might be some social disadvantages to that depending on, you know, where you are. Um, And then there, because of like, you know, capitalism and just like the way our world is set up right now, sometimes there are, actual concerns about being able to feel and express your emotions in the moment. right? I would love if all of my clients could just cry whenever they wanted to cry because your body just needs to release some stuff or to just get up and start walking around because they're feeling anxious sitting down and it'd be helpful to get up and move around and maybe help them focus. But unfortunately, in some environments, that might get you fired, that might get you yelled at, right? There there might actually be real consequences uh, to doing some of those things. So part of the work is actually saying, is it safe to express your emotions in these ways? And if not, what are some alternatives that you can do so that you can learn how to express your emotions in safer ways. And so uh, I think it is a really uh, a complex thing. I don't wanna say like, oh, just go out and feel all your feelings. Well, you know, it's not that simple. You have to make sure that feeling your feelings is gonna be more helpful than harmful.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely true. Do you have any examples of ways that people can express their emotions in safe ways when it's not socially acceptable?
1: You know, it, it really depends on you know, what their body needs. I think a lot of times when we're talking about expressing, we're, we're really thinking about externalizing and kind of releasing some of the emotional energy that is inside of your body. Ways to do that, um, writing things down can help cognitively and physically externalize uh, what's going on. Um, and then especially if you wanna rip up that piece of paper or ball it up and throw it away, that can be nice. Clenching your muscles and then relaxing them, Um, something that you can do pretty subtly. Uh, That's a technique called progressive muscle relaxation. A lot of times, if you were to look that up, they'll have you do your full body, but you can always just do one muscle. So clench your hands into a fist underneath a table or something, or, you know, clench your back muscles. Um, It's a pretty subtle movement. Most people can't tell you're doing it and then actively try to relax them. Give your hands a massage uh, can be a good way or like any subtle massages if you're able to you know get away to like a bathroom or something um, like pushing up against the wall or if you have like an office you can push up against the wall it's like you have a car in neutral and you're trying to push it uphill like that is the level of pushing up against the wall that uh, you would want to do stretches dynamic stretches so back to those uh, neck and shoulder circles or some arm swings or something you know you can play that off of oh yeah, I just had a a big workout and I'm a little sore, but like really you are uh, trying to uh just move your body uh, a bit more so you know these are the types of things that I'll, I'll try to do um for people in the moment to help them regulate and then also planning a time to kind of further engage with your emotions so again, Feelings are your body's way of communicating with you. And so your body wants to be heard. And if you just ignore the emotion, it might just start yelling at you. But if you say, hey, body, I hear you're real stressed out and you wanna cry, can't do that right now, but you know, at 5.03 when I'm off of work and in my car, I got you, we're gonna scream cry to this song in the car before we drive home even that acknowledgement can be really helpful for the body because it's, it's being heard. And it, there is a plan to attend to what it's trying to communicate to you versus just ignoring it.
0: Oh, great. Th- this has all been such great, valuable information. Thank you so much. D- Jaden, do you have any last words of wisdom or advice for our listeners today?
1: All of this is very scary. Um, I, I say this stuff like super easily and um you know I talk about this a lot so it comes like I, I say it pretty naturally, but this is really hard work, like getting to build a relationship with your body, all relationships are hard work. Um, but the one with your body is probably the hardest, um, but it's also the most important. And so if you are feeling overwhelmed um or afraid, I think that's all really, really normal. Um, You're doing a scary thing. So the appropriate emotional reaction is to feel afraid, you know, and you can still do things while afraid, right? We have to do as every time I, you know, look at taxes, I'm afraid, right? You know, but (laughs) I still do them, right? Um, And so how can you do these things while afraid? And how can you make sure you're you're doing it in a, a way that's helpful. I tell all my clients like there's nothing you should or should not do. It's just is it more helpful or is it more harmful? If crying is going to be more harmful, don't do it. Right? If having a drink is going to be harmful, don't do that. Uh if leaving the house in the middle of an argument is going to be more harmful, don't do that. But if all of those things are going to be more helpful, then do it. There's no coping skill that's perfect. There's no strategy that is, you know, sent down from the heavens. It's just being able to check in with your body about what is more helpful versus what is more harmful. That answer might change based on the day, based on the hour. Um, but that's why it's so important to build that relationship with your body so you can start to answer that question.
0: Oh, great. Thank you for saying that. I think that's so important for people to realize. I I love all of that. Jaden, this has been such an amazing conversation. Can you share where our listeners can find you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So my company is called TICE Consulting and Therapy and TICE stands for Trauma Informed Social Equity. So that's T-I-S-E Consulting and Therapy. Um, And so that is um, where you can find me across all things. My website is Tice Consulting and um, My email is Tice and Therapy at gmail.com. And then I'm also on Instagram and TikTok at Tice Consulting and Therapy.
0: Perfect. And I will have all of those links in the show notes. So everyone, make sure you go check out Jaden. Jaden, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. This was great.
0: What an incredible conversation. I loved speaking to Jaden all about trauma, all about our disconnection from our bodies, how to reconnect with our bodies. Jaden brought up so many great points. Just light bulbs were shooting off in my brain. Everything was making so much sense and resonating with me so much. So I'm sure that you feel the same way. Again, all of Jaden's links are in the show notes, so definitely go check that out. Every episode of the Wellness Projects podcast has an episode page full of all of these links. You can find this one at accordingtodes.com forward slash 128. You'll find all the episode's information and all the links. Make sure you join my email list and get in my Facebook group. Those links are in the show notes. You will get a free weekly wellness checklist that you can print over and over again. You'll get that free when you sign up for my email list and join my Facebook group. I'm in there almost every single day with more mental health content. I don't want you to miss a thing. I will see you in two weeks with another amazing guest. Talk to you then.